are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to try to help you this morning. And I'm going to try to help you out of the Bible, out of the Word of God. This is an old King James copy of the Word of God. That's what I use, and that's what I stay with. Philippians chapter 3. I would try to share with you this morning some things out of what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has left for us that I think will help us on to true greatness. There is a greatness that's recognized by men that I don't think is recognized by God. But true greatness, God does recognize, and God is looking for someone who wants to do great things and be great for His glory. That they're not recognizing what they're doing, that they're just rejoicing in a humble spirit, glorifying God, doing what they're doing. You mark it down. God is looking for somebody with true greatness in their life. There are two cases, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, where last night I mentioned one of them, maybe both of them, and wherein God, in the book of Job, recognized the greatness that was in Job. For it was God who said in chapter 1 to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him? God had seen something in Job that pleased him that he could brag about. And in all that Job went through, and every time Satan kept coming back after every encounter, God was able to say, I still got a man. Still got a man. He's still standing. He hadn't given in. True greatness. That's true greatness. You go to the New Testament and you'll find the words of the Lord Jesus, God, manifested in the flesh, saying of a man by the name of John, among men put on sandals and walk dusty streets, not a greater, not a greater than John. What a statement. What a compliment to be made from the king of kings, the supreme ruler of the universe, to be able to say about a man, there's greatness in him. That's true greatness. That's what you ought to achieve. That ought to be your goal. 
to try to be something and do something for God. Three things here in Philippians chapter 3. I think, I believe Paul had that greatness on his life. Used of the Spirit of God to write and give to us so much of the New Testament scripture and the epistles. Mightily used of God. And I read in chapter 3 in the book of Philippians here, I read of what uh, Paul was saying and I find three things, and I'll share them with you as time permits us to do that this morning out of chapter 3, looking, if you would please, beginning in verse 10. Paul said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering. I want to get into all of it. I want to be involved in all of it. If, if in fellowship with him I, I learn something, if, if suffering with him I learn something, he said, I want to get involved in all of it. He said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, not sin is perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am all apprehended of Christ Jesus. And here's the secret. It's right here. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are three things that I've seen, I've found, I've tried to apply in my life that I think might help me on a little further down the road to trying to do something worthwhile for God. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do. He had a tenacious pursuit to do that thing for God. He had, brethren, I count not myself forgetting those things which are behind. Number two, boy, you got to forget some things if you ever make it along the way. Some things will slow you down if you don't forget them. Get them behind you. And then the third thing was, he said, I press towards the mark. I'm working on a message now comparable to the message I preached on last night where Job said, well, I think I'll just go on anyway. I think Paul must have said after being beaten, I press on. I think when he got up after being left for dead outside of the city, he got up, I think he said, I press on. And he said, I, the things of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in me. I press on. I think that'll work right there. 
Paul had, I think you and I have to have, that tenacious bulldog, sink your teeth in, hang on, don't let go attitude to get the job done. And Paul's pursuit was to preach the gospel, first of all. Amen. He was in, in pursuit of his calling that God had given to him. And the reason I think he stayed in such pursuit of it, and the reason that I think you need to stay in such pursuit of the will of God that has been given to you, is simply because it pleased God to extend that calling to you. Look what he said over in Galatians chapter 1, or listen while I read it in chapter 1 of Galatians, verse 15, 15 and 16. This is what Paul said. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. But when it pleased God, for no other reason, not the accolades, not the well wishes of men, but simply for the fact that you and I have been called and it pleased God to put you where you are. And if it pleases him, that ought to be enough insanity for you and I to stay with it. Start out pleasing him. And keep on pleasing him. And he said, when it pleased God to call me to be his preacher to the Gentiles. It pleased God to call me to be his preacher. He never got away from that. Nothing ever became any bigger than that in his life. He said, woe is me. If I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He said, I am determined among you to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Why? It pleased God to put me into the ministry. Whatever part of the ministry God has put you into, you are in it because it pleased him to put you there. He knows what you can do there. And therefore you ought to be as happy with that as any other ministry that's going on, no matter what it is, if it's singing, if it's being the missionary, if it's being the associate, if it's being the pastor, if it's being the music director, if it pleased God to put you there, that ought to be big enough for you. Yeah! Mm. That's big. A big God never passes out little jobs. Never minimize the importance of where you're serving God. Because if he puts you there, that's as big as it gets.
is just as big as the other fellow or the other lady. Not make any difference. If he continues to do his work and ministry in his place, it's just as big as what Brother Treber's doing in his place. Because Brother Treber needs him. He needs Brother Treber. And it's all big. You never get over the bigness of it. Because a big God hands out nothing but big jobs. And when you're serving, you're serving him. He had he had that tenacious pursuit to, to preach the gospel. You couldn't get him away from it. Yeah, putting him in jail wouldn't get him away from it. <laughs> Beat him, leave him for dead. Uh, stand him on Mars Hill. It, it didn't make any difference where it was. Uh, you could leave him, put him in jail, beat him, leave him for dead. He'd just come up preaching. Amen. 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 Just come up preaching. Why? Because he had that old bulldog, sink your teeth in, hang on, don't turn loose of it attitude, couldn't be shaken off of it. Hey, let me say this to you. Don't let anything shake you loose from what God's put you into. Sink your teeth into it. Get a hold of it. Hang on to it. When I thought about preaching and hanging on to it and the calling that God extended to me, My my mind went back to the days when I was just a lad. And growing up, we Hancock boys, we had a a little dog by the name of Buttons. Now, the thing about Buttons was, Buttons, he was just a little dog about this high, little black and white. I got a picture in my pocket I carry all the time with me. And uh, just about that high. But he was saved. He knew God. <laughs> uh, he had to know the Lord. I mean, it just wasn't a big dog. Wasn't uh, nothing very unusual about it. About that high off the ground. And uh, just black and white. But uh, he I, he had to be saved. I, he knew God. He was holy, though. He knew God. And I, I think he was saved because he had great characteristics about him. He had some great good Christian characteristics about him. Oh, he was he was faithful, he was loyal, that's the way he ought to be, you know. He was protective, he was a real good protector of us boys. Little old dog about that high, saved, black and white, knew God. <laughs> And uh, he would just stand by us. He'd watch out for us. And boy, we could always count on him. Good, had good Christian character about him. Why, Mama, yeah, Mama would, uh, when she wanted to work on us because we'd been wrong, she'd always send us to the oak tree in the yard. How I prayed that lightning would strike that tree. <laughs> that that tree would die I would wanted to cut it down a lot of times. But she sent us to the oak tree to get a limb. She always wanted to work on us with a limb off of that oak tree. I hated that oak tree. 
But I'd go to the oak tree and I'd get one of little old slender pieces of something back like that, long and old. And, uh, you know, and, and we'd start back with it with Mama, you know. And, uh, of course, we always knew that you started crying right away. Before the first lick, you started crying. And that alerted my good, godly friend. If Button was under the house and he heard one of us boys crying, out he came, boy, looking. If we were in danger, Mama would have the switch and working on us and we were wailing away. Buttons, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, Buttons would come at Mama. He'd jump up and grab that switch that old piece of oak limb, take it off and chew it all up. And we were saying, good dog, good dog, good dog, good dog. Yeah, good dog. Raymond, go back to that tree. You go tie Buttons up and go back to that tree. Buttons hated it when he couldn't come to my rescue. Christian dog saved dog. <laughs> he loved us so much he was so close to us that my best friends I mean I mean, the guys I played with regularly who lived in the neighborhood they could not come in our yard unless they stopped down at the corner and they'd holler down at the corner to my grandmother we called her Big Mama and then he'd cry out, Hey, big mama, would y'all tie up buttons so we could cut? He wouldn't even let my friends come in the yard. Because he didn't trust them, didn't know what they'd do. We used to like to play with buttons a lot. We had a lot of fun with it. And uh, we'd love say, No, dog, about that house. <laughs> But anyway, we'd, we'd tease him a little bit, you know. And we'd just see how high that little dog would jump. So we'd, uh, we'd wave Mama's towel sometime at him. And uh, he'd jump up. And boy, we'd raise it up. And he'd jump up. And we'd raise it up. And we'd raise it a little higher each time. But sometimes, after he and the Spirit of God was quick with him. Sometimes he was faster than we were. He... And before we could get it pulled up, he anticipated it, and he'd jump up and grab it. He'd jump up and get a hold of it. And he wouldn't turn loose a little bit. swing old buttons around like that, you know. Here he was, a little tail and the little legs just flying like this, you know. And we'd, we'd swing him a little bit and we'd swing him a little more. Here and there. And boy, here's old buttons flying through the air. Back and forth. <laughs> Still hanging on. I thought about it a lot of times. I said, God, I need something. Yeah. 
I need to sink my teeth in the will of God. Sometimes I have been and you are and will be. Seems like sometimes when you're not on solid ground. You're going to get tossed to and fro. But you want to have the will of God so entrenched in your heart and your life. You want to have your hands so tight on the plow handle. You want to have to sink your teeth in the will of God that even though you're just tossed about to and fro, you're just going to say, just keep hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. And you don't turn loose. And I could tell you about a lot of things that you're going to have to hang on through, but that would be another occasion. But thank God for what old Buttons taught me. He's in heaven right now waiting on me. I think he's going to come with me when I ride on that white horse. He's going to be coming on down the line with me. Thank God I said I need some of that. Boy, when I'm tossed about, lifted up off of the ground, and it doesn't seem like anything's real solid under me anymore, I gotta know that all I gotta do is just keep hanging on and hanging on. His he had this bulldog pursuit about things. In that scripture, it reads there, forgetting those things which are behind. That's a second important thing in your life, in your ministry, in your calling. You've got to have, and I've got to have, the ability to forget some things. Some things we're going to have to put behind us along the way. No contradiction in the right book if you keep it. Amen. No country. You and I may not ever understand it all or be able to put it all together like we'd like to, but there are more mistakes in the Word of God. Amen. Although the Bible definitely teaches us that there's some things we need to forget. Some things the Bible tells us we should never forget. That's not a contradiction. That's just a statement of wisdom. There's some things you need to forget. Some things you don't want to ever forget. I won't deal with this. Don't have time to it. But you don't want to ever forget the provision he's made for you. You don't want to ever forget the promises he's given to you. You don't want to ever forget the privileges you and I now enjoy. You don't want to forget that. Don't ever forget that provision that's made for you at Calvary. Don't ever get too big and get over Calvary in your life. That's where it all that's where all the hope begins. Right there. You don't ever forget the promises that he's made and given to you. When he left, he left the door open. Thank God. And he said, Lo, I'm with you. You don't ever forget that. So many he said, Never forget I'm coming again. Never forget the privileges that you and I have to reach him when we need him. I could say more about that. 
But there's some things that I need to forget and that you're going to have to forget that happens to you in a life, some of them even in school. Some of the things that may happen to you that may disrupt your feelings or whatever that you're going to have to get behind you and put behind you if you continue to go on and do well in your life. You're going to have to forget the blunders you make, the setbacks you have, the knockdowns you get. I was reading a story some, oh, I guess a year or two ago about a coach who was trying to teach his football team how to be successful, how to be winners. And he brought them out on the field and he only dressed out two players. He dressed out Bill, we'll call him, and he dressed out John. And he had the rest of the team to sit around. He said, Nemo, I want to teach you something. Teach you how to be winners. And he said, Bill, I'm going to give you the ball. And said, I want you to run right at John. And said, I want you to run over him. Said, now, John, I've given Bill the ball. And said, he's going to come at you. He thinks he's going to run over you. Said, but he's not. So don't you let him. Said, you put him on the ground. So Bill got the ball. He said, let's get at him, Bill. All right, John, here he comes. Old Bill took out. He ran right at John. I mean, he blew him away. I mean, he ran right over him. Headed on out. He said, let's try it again. Now, Bill, John, he ran over you. Don't let him run over you this time. So old Bill took it out and went at him again. He ran over him every time. Coach turned around and looked at the team and said to the team, said, Team, uh, have you learned anything? They said, Coach, we got it. <laughs> We've learned the lesson. He said, Man, when we get on that field, when we get the ball, said, I mean, we got to let nothing stop in our way. I mean, we got to put them on the ground. He said, No, I said, You missed it. You got to keep getting up. It's not how many people you can run over. It's whether you're able to keep getting up after you get knocked down. That's the guy that's going to be the winner. That's the guy that God's going to continue to use. Paul got knocked down a lot of times. You may get knocked down by words of a friend or a circumstance. But I won't take time to deal with that. But I'll, I'll guarantee you all along the way, in your life, in your ministry, whatever it is, you're going to deal with some hardships and some times. But you're going to have to keep getting up. Keep getting up. Keep getting up. And as you're able to keep getting up, God is able to keep on using you for his glory. You're going to have to forget your losses. Or what the world may consider to be losses. You're going to have to look at what's ahead for you. And what's waiting for you. And what's better in the end. And sometimes we've made our decision for Christ. And, and we've left profitable jobs or whatever. And, and Satan has his way of saying, yeah. And look what you could have had if you'd have 
stay over there, look at the fun, look at this, you know, look in the back over here. But you're going to have to forget what the world considers to be losses. You never lose by putting the will of God first in your life. You never lose that. You, you're never a loser there. I, in my ministry in Florida, God bless it, we had, we were there 19 years, we had a daily radio broadcast, and, and uh, I was in the city of Tampa. We were out 14 miles outside of Tampa, and uh, I was uh, speaking in a revival meeting in, in Tampa, Florida, on one occasion, and the pastor said to me, said, Preacher, said, uh, there's a young man here to see you before you preach tonight, and uh, he introduced himself, his name is Woods, David Woods, and uh, he said, Preacher, said, I've been listening to you on the radio and going home from work every day, and said, I just decided I'd come today, tonight, and come by the place where you were and meet you and, and hear you preach, and and I said, well, I appreciate that. Well, after it was over with, I got a chance to talk with him. And uh, he wasn't saved, wasn't a Christian. I led him to Christ, yeah. was saved. And I asked him, I said, uh, uh, David, I said, Mr. Woods, I said, where do you work? He said, well, I'm the uh, public relations man for Slitch Brewing Company. Public relations man, big job, important job. I said, that's, I said, I'm glad you came to Christ. Oh, he said, preacher, he said, I'm going to come back tomorrow night, bring my wife. I want her to get what I got. Brought his wife. My wife led her to Christ that night. They came and joined our church. I baptized him. You didn't. I did. Baptized him. That's what they did on the day of Pentecost. Amen. They didn't do no six months interviews. Amen. <laughs> they didn't go through no classes. No. They got saved. They baptized them. Same Amen. same day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Put him in the water. You didn't. I did. Amen. You didn't sit down and tell him and educate him and all of this about where he's working. No, I baptized him. You know, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in a life. Man gets saved, he's got something in him and starts telling him right away certain things are wrong. Why, it wasn't long after that, David came to me and said to me, he said, the preacher, can I talk with you? I said, yeah, what's your problem, David? And I mean, this was soon after, soon after. Public relations man, Stitch Brewing Company. He said to me, he said, uh, I don't, he said, I feel funny working where I do. I said, you do? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, something don't fit right anymore. I said, Amen. don't. That's God. I'd rather God do it. Yep. I think you ought to have some standards and things, and I'm not against all that. But, but anyway, he said, preacher said, I think I've got, I've got a problem. I said, well, you'll know what to do with it. And uh, so he came back to me and he said, preacher, he said, uh, he said, uh, I, I've, uh, I've quit my job. I said, you have? He said, yes, sir. He said, I went in and saw my, uh, my boss. See, Slits Brewing Company in Tampa, Florida has a big, huge uh, place there. He said, I went in and told my boss that, that I was now a Christian. 
And I felt uncomfortable working for Stitch Brewing Company. And he said, well, he said, David said, your future, look at the money you're making. Look at the, what you've got. Look at your future financially and so forth. And he said, well, I don't know. He said, but I, I, don't, I don't feel like I need to work here anymore because I'm a Christian. He said, well, listen, believe it or not, the owner, the operator there, he said, David, don't worry about that. He said, man, we've got lots of church members work here in the plant. Yeah. Listen, he said this. He said, well, I don't know about the rest of the church members. He said, but I don't feel good about it. Amen. Amen. He said, I've joined the Baptist church. I'm a Baptist. He said, well, we've got Baptists working in here. Yep. He said, I don't know about all the other Baptists. But he said, I know about myself. He said, I can't work here anymore. Amen. He walked away from it. Big money. Big position. Somebody would look back and say, man, what a loss. No, no, no. What a gain. What a gain. I could tell you story after story. You're going to have to forget. I'll have to. I'm out of, out of time. And uh, it wouldn't be good to, to make Dr. Treber wait. But uh, I might. <laughs> I don't have time to, to finish this, but some things you got to forget. you got to forget, put your sorrows and your heartaches, your downtime. you gotta, you got to put those things. But if you, there's some things, if you don't put it behind you, they'll, they'll just bog you down. We've got, we've got in our churches all across the land, in every church, a group of people who got hurt. So they've backed off. And they've got a bitterness or a grudge against somebody. They've lost their song. They've lost their amen. Because they wouldn't get over it. And they wouldn't put it behind them. The old phrase, hey, you've got to get over it. You've got to get over it. Because if you don't get over some hurt in your life, some loss... Or whatever in your life. You'll never make it. Paul said forgetting. Those things which are behind. I'll just have to pause. I'll have to quit. Uh, The last point would be. Reaching forth. You got to keep on reaching. Just keep on reaching. Just keep on reaching. Paul said I press towards the mark. He, he just kept on re- reaching for another soul to save. Amen. Reaching for another place to preach. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.